I agree. Obtaining data on the Mjama Cancellor was quite a coup, Azrael. However... Mm -hmm. We're not too sure about your idea of an all-out nuclear attack. Given that the energy crisis here on Earth has reached critical proportions, we think it would be better to focus on that. Why are you people talking like this? Especially at this point. We're not gonna win this war unless we attack. Our enemies are the coordinators. We must wipe them out completely. And besides, it's not like we haven't used nuclear weapons in the past. So what reason is there to hold back now? But that was all you're doing. <sighs> you don't collect nuclear weapons just for the fun of it. They're powerful weapons. And we have to use them. I mean, we spent good money building them just for that purpose, right? Well, didn't we? Welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best Gundam Seed episode-by-episode episode podcast, at least for four more episodes before we get to the real fun. My name is Jeremy. I'm possessed of an optional offensive system. I'm Tyler. From the ashes, my name is Zach. From the ashes? Yeah, it's yes. going to be, uh, I see where he's going. Things go boom in this episode. Oh, uh, well, that is true. Uh, sure, let's let's pretend that I'm referencing something that occurs in the episode and not something else entirely. Or that I'm making fun of Jeremy. Oh, because I burned it to the ground. Well, I rose like the Phoenix, the Phoenix Gundam, which is a good derivative of the Unicorn Gundam. Speaking of which, how is Unicorn Gundam? I've heard Quite it. good. Yes, yeah, so I've heard it's, it's one of people's favorite Gundam movies. It's very lore heavy. They made it into a series. They like just oh. fully stretched out to a series, which I believe is on Crunchyroll and YouTube. I think I saw it on Crunchyroll last time I was looking over there, but I could be wrong. I wasn't really looking. It kind of has a light fan fiction-y feel because it started out as like an expanded universe novel that no one was supposed to pay attention to. So there's a lot of, and what if this guy was this thing from this old Gundam stuff? Uh, but they incorporate that well. But if, oh, she's play 12 isn't really exciting to you, <laughs> then Gundam's unicorn might not be the best. Yeah. <laughs> is that not really exciting to you, Zach? Not really. I don't know. I've not watched any Zeta Gundam, so... I haven't either, actually. Or any That's of the base shame. model Gundam. Most of the main, like, Zeta Gundam-affiliated things I've seen has been their appearances in Super Robot Wars. Well, let's go back a step, because you said base model Gundam. What is a base model Gundam? The Gundam. Okay, From okay. But what about a gym? Is that a base model Gundam? No. That's with no options. <laughs> it barely has a defensive system. <laughs> the other thing that is bad about Gundam Unicorn is that the rival character is just very bad. But also the pseudonym that the girl uses is Audrey Hepburn, and that's very <laughs> good because it's the future and no one knows enough to call her on it. I mean, I feel like there must have been more than one Audrey Hepburn throughout history. Hepburn is a name. True, but it also sounds like an alias, especially from if it's the same as in a lot of the other ones that I've, or at least one is presented in Super Robot Wars. She hesitates before she actually yes. gives her name. She does. And everyone but the main character is like, that doesn't seem right. And he's like, I have such a crush on you, I believe you implicitly. Don't underestimate boner power. No Haman Khan, that's sad. 
All right. So speaking of that, not much of that this episode, actually. Oh, no. Boner power? Yeah. Unless giant lasers are your thing. Or nukes. There are a lot of nukes. Okay, yeah, I think there's Asriel's thing, to be fair. (laughs) Nukes are also your thing, Tyler. Are they? In StarCraft, exclusively. Yeah. I agree with Jeremy, though. Asriel just has a straight-up erection the entire episode. I'm pretty sure that's true. (laughs) This is why I love him. So we are watching episode number... Uh, 45, The Nightmare Reborn. Thank you, Tyler. I was about to look it up. I had it. I had it up at one point, and it went away. Almost there. Three more after this. We're really coming to the closing, although this is more of a set-up-the-final-battle episode. There's one more stake that needs to be introduced. And that's... And it has Mu to be and Maru's well done. love? No, that's been introduced a while ago. I feel yeah, like. Yeah, but we have to be reminded of it. It hasn't come up for a bit. I mean, she's like nursing him in his <laughs> that's weird true. hospital bed with plastic IV. Uh, you know... I want to see. They were ba- going through the family album last <laughs> week. I was gonna say I want to see Bandai sell that as like an action set. <laughs> Weird hospital bed featuring plastic IV. Just for me, please, Bandai, <laughs> for your friend. For this sixteen-year-old show. I mean, they still market it quite a bit. The HD version oh, really? is not that old. Gundam Seed is quite popular. Huh. Yeah, it I, is. I don't know. As far as I can tell, on the subreddit, it gets a lot of hate, and I don't really get Destiny that. Destiny gets a lot of hate, and Seed gets a lot of residual hate. <laughs> Seed's very polarizing in like the hardcore Gundam community. It's very love-hate, and, and Destiny Z- is very hate-hate. <laughs> yeah, Destiny, everybody hates, and so Seed gets a lot of backlash. I mean, yeah, a lot of people don't like how whiny the main characters in Seed are, which is what I love. Hi. <laughs> athwin has got real issues to deal with. His dad's insane. His fiance is a mob boss. His girlfriend is very cindere, and his boyfriend is always crying. So, yes. <laughs> He's got some problems. So, yeah, shall we get into it? We start with some great data files on the Justice for the Freedom. We find out their technical details. 18.56 meters tall, 75 tons in weight, I'm E-battery sure. of nuclear, armaments, offensive system, spelled wrong, defense system, and optional unit. Much specific. <laughs> All I like is Ralph LaCrucet gave them him these specs. <laughs> this is the official specs from the plant. It's not like the Earth forces are trying to throw this together from their one battle with it. I don't know, it's got an offense system, and it, I guess it has defenses. It's not as defensive as the Aegis. Let's put those cool boomerangs the strike hat on it. I'd also like to point out that 8,826 kilowatts doesn't mean anything. Unless that's how much power it can put out per time. That's its capacity. Yeah, well, so normally we measure that in actual energy. That's a measure of power. Uh, so that would be kilowatt hours, I guess, which is... Wouldn't energy normally be measured in joules? Uh, kilowatts is a valid form of power. So it's joules is a measure of energy, but kilowatt hours is what's common in the U.S. It's, you know, how many kilowatts per hour, or I guess times hours. It's a really awkward unit. I was very confused the first time I ever saw it, which was like within a year of now. In the future, I saw kilowatt hours. Anyway. Advanced uh, like one frame. Yeah, I was going to say, I want to see what, oh, yeah, yeah. Also, the freedom is a little bit shorter, a little bit lighter. Which makes sense. It is also armed with an offensive system, a defense system, and an optional unit. What's the optional unit on the Freedom? I get it with the Justice. It's got that big backpack. Hey, they spilled nuclear, right? So also what I want to point out is that armaments for the Justice, they're just like there. When you get to the Freedom, they're like tab aligned. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, and Freedom second. And the E battery, they spelled the thing right. It's now nuclear instead of nuclear. (laughs) 
<laughs> Someone spell checked the freedom. Um, <laughs> they gave the freedom to a graphic designer. They, and he was like, oh God. <laughs> offensive system is still spelled wrong. His first language is still Japanese. I would also like to point out that even though the freedom is smaller and lighter, it still has the exact same battery capacity. Which is why it's faster. Oh, is it? Is it? I have Has no freaking clue. I feel like we see it being a lot more maneuverable. Like the Justice isn't like a tank, but I feel like it moves a lot slower. Whereas the Freedom is always like dashing in and, uh, and doing tight turns. Yeah, th- these I think are the uh, most complete specifications we actually have on these. Yeah, th- this segment brought to you by the fact that we just happened to have the screen paused on this and we were chatting about it before the show started. It's quite a feat that you got your hands on that very specific information. So yeah, Asriel is at show and tell at Earth Alliance High Command. And they're like, very impressive. Especially the end jammer canceler. We're not sure about you wanting to nuke everything, though. We think maybe we should use them to solve our energy crisis, since we're running out of fossil fuel. Yeah, I mean, that'd, that'd be a much more intelligent and better way of using this instead of nuke everything. At the very least, it's a better long-term plan, because then you could use the energy to produce more nukes. There is the argument of why not both, but if N-Jammer cancelers are difficult to produce, then, then uh, I feel like nuclear energy- weapons probably consume them. Like, people are literally dying in the streets due to collapse of society. I feel like energy production is the better well, choice. I mean, there's also the side thing of, uh, if if you want to look at it that way, it's possible Zaf comes up with a way to jam the jam uh, the jammer, jammer <laughs> cancelers. Jammer. Yeah, and create N-Jammer jammer jammers. <laughs> like... And have that kind of escalating arms race. But at the same time, intelligent people would try and sue for peace. But of course, both of these teams are now being run by cartoon villains. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm looking at the, as they're doing a wipe of society on Earth, I'm kind of surprised that they haven't surrendered yet because they look to be doing pretty bad. I think what Destiny goes more into this, and I hate to give Destiny credit, but it seems like America and like the first world are pretty much okay. Okay. But like most of Europe and Russia are pretty much done yeah and most of these people we've seen them like wipe out their eurasian allies and sacrifice stuff most of the people who are left are from the atlantic federation monumental dicks also that anyway the very reasonable earth council is like what about energy and asriel's like what are you talking about guys it's nuking time and a jazz number starts it's like hey to win you have to attack it's a very zach plan well i mean (laughs) he's not inherently wrong you don't win on a war by being on defense, but at the same time, nukes are not something you just get out and throw around. That's a terrible idea. And Azrael's like, we've used nukes before, and someone points out, you did that. And he's like, yeah, what's stopping us now? <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, you did that. So what's your point? So you, not us. But he convinces them with the uh, argument that, hey, you don't just have nuclear weapons to put on your shelf to look cool. You gotta use them to kill people. I don't know, Asriel. This one's pretty kawaii, and it's just like a nuke with a wig. (laughs) (laughs) And anime eyes. Basically, he's making the sunken cost fallacy for economic investment. We spent money, we can't just, like, let that money go to waste. Whereas I would make the argument, hey, Zaf could invade at any time and blow up the conversations we make. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a more reasonable counter-argument. But I still think in in that kind of situation, you just sue for peace. Too many people have died already, and you've already basically evened out from where you started. Although we know that Patrick Zala is not interested in doing that. We We know that. We have seen diplomatic missions that have gone nowhere. I don't think we've seen that here yet, though. Well, because Reverend Melchior was supposed to, like, be bringing a peace talk, like a peace offering to Zaft. It was completely rejected, and he was hunted as a fugitive. So I don't know that suing for peace is actually an option. And the people he's arguing with might actually know that. 
Okay, that that would make a lot more sense. I just didn't remember if that had actually been established as to whether or not they knew Zaft was being run by a nutcase. So they start sending their troops up to the moon to launch an invasion of Boaz, which is pretty much a Boa Q from original Gundam, if you're familiar. It's a risk-style defense satellite that somehow <laughs> is between the plants and Earth. Don't ask too many questions. Maybe it can move to intercept. Maybe they're Maybe all in geosynchronous orbit somehow. Yeah, it's in orbit with Earth. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's on a risk map, and to get past it, you have to go through it. There's no way around. So anyway, you know, the risk map of space. Yeah. Well, I well, feel you like there's actually risk a version of Risk that has that. Yeah, I, I, it's Risk 2020, 2020 25, 20 something. It's it has Mecha involved. <laughs> also, Garen's Greed, the Gundam strategy game. Space is way easier to wage war in because the risk connections are in space are much more Lenient. rigid. And like it's much easier to defend places in space because there are fewer access points to it than <laughs> Earth. I feel like once you're in space, that should open up a bit. The thing, and also, it's very difficult to attack space from Earth, but it's very easy to attack Earth from space and do drops, so. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. It's a lot harder to get out of gravity than use gravity to your benefit. What is the name of that one project? It's like Operation Dawn Hammer or something. The Hammer of Dawn? Maybe? Uh, That's from Gears of War. No, not that then. It was a military project to... Drop heavy things from orbit? Yeah, drop heavy things from orbit, basically. I read the life and history of this guy whose job it was to design space cannons, and one of the things they were getting space cannons for was to launch stuff up into space cheaply so that he could bring it back down and use his weapon. So we get the opening sequence. Um, I was going to say, we had this really tense scene where Azrael's trying to convince people to use nukes. And then we get the, like, super happy opening sequence. It was a little bit off-putting. I don't know about that, but... So we cut to a whole bunch of strike daggers in formation with ships, which is my favorite thing. Going at a whole bunch of gins and guazines in formation with ships. And we got to get a lot of stock footage and a big battle scene. And it's my fave. They're even Mobiuses. They're helpful. Well, in a battle of this size, they're just throwing up additional gunfire and there are more targets. So, yeah, they're actually pretty useful. A lot of this is, like I said, footage we've already seen of Jin's destroying Mobiuses, but a lot of it is recolored slightly to just make it look a little better. And then we get Commander Jewel. Those <laughs> damn naturals. He's been promoted, apparently, to Commander. I think he might have always been higher rank than everyone else uh, just because he's no, a he, pilot. He wasn't a Commander. He was not higher rank than Ather, Diarca, or Nickel, but they were all... Above, like, grunts. Yeah. No, and it, I think... As I understand it, it's basically, like, they're, all like, private first class versus private. So they're yeah. all technically higher, but they don't actually have any real positions of necessary authority. <laughs> but given Zaf's loose nature, each commander is, like, a god unto himself among his little unit. And so uh, he was promoted. And I will remember Atherin was commander earlier, which was why they were the Zola team. Oh, I thought that was more just like Rao gave him a gold star for a day. <laughs> no, that he actually got promoted. Then he got promoted to the uh, special core, whatever the hell it was called. It'll be called Faith and Destiny, but I think that's a different thing. And then he got promoted to the rank of, I don't know, Lacus's go-to or Lacus's go-man. Yes, man. I don't know. Gopher? Lacus's gopher. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's DaCosta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's DaCosta's job. So anyway, Isaac goes to pilot school, and all the like young, fresh-made pilots are like, those damn naturals, are we going to go murder them, Isaac? And Isaac's like, ugh, was I like this? Ugh. Isaac is realizing he was a terrible teenager and is having so many like embarrassing feelings. I doubt he can sleep at night. He's probably <laughs> just thinking, I was such an asshole. 
No wonder Athern didn't like me. No wonder pretty much no everybody wonder. hated me. Anyway, Patrick Zala has called an emergency meeting. Isaac's mom's there, so is Raleigh Crusade, so everyone we know. And he's like, hey, you controlling the media? They're like, we're good on that. Do we got our forces in place? We're good on that. Cool. Now, let's get into the nitty gritty. Bring up a cool grid so we can watch the action. And Rao's like, aha, my secret plan for chaos is coming together. That's what uh, Tyler said, the nitty gritty. We got a shot of a djinn killing one of the strike daggers and then taunting and being immediately <laughs> shot and killed. I know, it was very good. That's why you never taunt mid-fight. You wait until you've won, then you can taunt. Well, he thought he'd won because he beat that guy. It's right? a big battle. He's not the only guy. Yeah. And then we get some uh, recolor, basically recolored shots from stuff we've already seen before. This is, I think, a shot out of the battle against the 8th Fleet. Yeah, they're saving a lot of money here, but it all looks really cool. And like I said, I love these big combined arms battles with battleships and mobile suits and some jets and stuff. Well, so. And they're flashing through them fast enough that it's not a big deal. And they recolored, I think, all of the battleships because I think the 8th Fleet was like gray, but all of these ones are, are more black. So it's not quite as bad. It's it's a lot harder to necessarily recognize. And they replaced some of the gins with guazis, so that helps hide it a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. Like, I wrote this down facetiously, but I actually love all the comms chatter we're getting from all these people. But what I wrote down was, digging these youthful spirit no-names. <laughs> <laughs> like, they all have voice lines, and then they're all gonna die. <laughs> no one gave their names. That's the problem. No one gave their names. No, that's right. You gotta save that for the moment when you're about to be hit. That was actually really good. Shooting two different halves <laughs> of a dagger in half. Uh, those were Mobius. Oh, were. Uh, were they? Never mind. Never mind then. And so we get uh, lots of shots of stuff blown up as we get some like tacto babble, which is different than techno babble. They don't have any like indicators on any of their like tactical map as to which team is where. Nah, it's fine. Anyway, Raoul is like, I gotta be a killjoy. He's like, hey, I'm sure the Earth forces know that they can't just get through us. What if something terrible is about to happen? Eh, don't worry about what I just said. It's probably just me being <laughs> paranoid. <laughs> I, you know, crazy Raul Crusade just saying things. Their big map just had a, like it had a bunch of dots on it. it was labeled Earth, Moon, and Plant. <laughs> I, I know, I love it. <laughs> and with that, they launched the druggies. Which is, I think, the first scene we actually get to see them do anything useful in because they normally get stimmied by Kira showing up. Other than kicking the shit out of Kira and Athrin, or at least tying them up while they do something else. Yeah, Athriel even makes a comment like, oh man, they're actually competent when there are no main characters on screen. <laughs> and I love how other people notice them incoming. They're like, whoa, what are those? I feel like I needed Slippy saying something about a unique ship incoming. <laughs> well, they are a boss, basically. For Zaft, anyway. Who doesn't have any guns of their own because Isaac's sitting in kindergarten with all the fresh-faced <laughs> pilots. I was going to be like, what about Nickel? Anyway, Isaac's mom's like, yeah, we're probably fine. It's probably just some mobile suits. They were probably just being cocky bastards. And Relicris is like, oh, I do hope so. I hope no one catches the weird tone I'm using, guys. And no one points out that the Archangel class that's over there is the same class of ship that basically <laughs> ran them ragged for about a couple months. Also, we see Flay is now in the comms chair that Millie has been in, in the Archangel for all season, for the Dominion. And like, she's got an actual, like, uniform. Yeah, she's actually doing stuff, but we don't actually ever see her doing a lot of comms stuff now that she's there. Well, that's because Azrael is always like, hey, give me the phone, hey, give me the phone, <laughs> and she doesn't want to deal with that jerk. So anyway, they announced that they're going to send out the Peacemaker Force. Which is a bunch of Mobius with nuclear missiles strapped to them. Which I do like because it gives them a real distinctive look. 
And I assume these are drone mobii because they're basically. No, I think the same. they're actually. In, I think they're piloted because I think they mention, or I think they show a pilot of one of them. Really? Because that's a kamikaze run they're doing. I think they were supposed to launch. I could be wrong though. I'm, it's been a while. Cut to Crusade. Patrick's all like, "Hey, what are you getting at, you crazy person?" He's like, "Oh, I just thought that none of the crazy wild cards, like those two nuclear reactors we lost, have anything to do with this attack." Or Lackis, who who knows what she's doing? She ain't dead yet, though. Uh, maybe she's just recording a mystery new single. <laughs> but the druggies are escorting the nuke force. While Patrick Zoll's like, are you saying they're going to nuke us? And Roker's like, oh, golly, no, sir. I don't know how they do that. We got the end jammers. I love this one line. Say your prayers, you space monsters. And then it turns out half the Mobius pilots are racist. Well, that's who are you going to send to nuke yeah, some who, people? Like, who's honestly going to do that? Well, is this a volunteered force or a voluntold force? I'm pretty sure this is a volunteer force. Okay, I'll buy it then. Because honestly, let, let's be fair. Would you really want to voluntold somebody to go fly a nuke at something? Because there's a real good chance they just turn it around and fire it in your face. So anyway, we cut to the three ships alliance who are being refueled by the rehome from the manga. We only get one shot of it, but we at least see that they are getting supplies. And they've just found out, hey, there's an attack going on. While the druggers are like, ooh, hey, Mercedes. pretty lights while they're blowing up Boaz. Also, these are very pink nukes. All the nuclear demonstrations I've seen are like orange. We actually see Azrael's got his heart on. <laughs> Natarl's <laughs> sickened. Flay can't watch. <laughs> and the druggies are like, ooh, fireworks. The, the druggies seem high, which I guess is appropriate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, Twists are actually just on ecstasy the entire time. <laughs> Look, it's a combat drug. Uh, so we get lots and lots of shots of stuff being nuked. Everyone's like, what's the heat source in space? Which I actually, I guess, is a reasonable thing. There's not a lot of heat in space. Everything blows up. Especially it's very not funny. at that at that rate. You know, it doesn't heat up that fast in space. It's pretty consistent. Meanwhile, Zaft is like, those bastards. Except for Raul the Crusade, which is like, smirk. <laughs> Got him. So we've established his goal is just burn everything, right? Yeah. yeah. That's his goal. His, his, he's, he is the man that just wants to watch the world burn. Azrael's like, yeah, even that super cool fortress is no match for nukes. The best weapon of all. Uh, and Natarl takes exception and is like, hey, like, have a little respect, maybe? Yeah, don't you feel anything for using those? So my problem here is that, like, everyone's like, don't you feel bad for using nukes? I'm like, you would kill them hand to hand, personally yeah. anyway. And then Azrael makes that exact same argument that I felt bad for siding with Azrael. <laughs> so <laughs> well, the, the, the difference is on the scale, because especially when you get down to it, if you're fighting somebody hand to hand, they can surrender. You're not going to have any chance if somebody's nuking you. I mean, this is the exact argument we used when we nuked the Japanese yep. people, the people who are writing this show. <laughs> so... Yeah, except, I don't know, we nuke civilians. I feel like that's a little different. But. That's true. Although he intends to, as we will find out. Yeah, well, that's because too. Azrael's a crazy cartoon villain. But, but, but for now, he has only nuked a military installation. And then he <laughs> yeah. says, okay, now we're going to go target civilians with it. So we cut back to Zaft, where President Patrick is like, Rela Crusade, go you're do my some guy, stuff. we're going to go get Genesis. And Rela Crusade is like, super smirk. They've <laughs> activated my trap card. Double smirk. And then we get the eye catch. Hey everyone, this episode sure does have some nuclear energy, eh? In a weird twist of events, Jeremy actually edited this episode, but I'm recording the mid-spot because he's still sick from the last time we recorded, and that would sound like 
Dookie. Jeremy also tells me that he's been watching Build Divers Rerise recently, and it's not as much of a build dive as he was expecting it to be, which is a euphemism for bad thing, obviously. I don't think we have anything in particular to mention this week, although we are getting ready to officially kick off our Patreon, so if that's a thing that interests you, then details coming soon, I assume. We are quickly running out of episodes of Gundam Seed here, and I am very excited for what we did in between Seed and Destiny, so look forward to that. But also, think of things you'd like to ask us about regarding Gundam Seed or the podcast generally, or or just, you know, random stuff that has nothing to do with any of that. Alright, at this point, I'm basically just rambling on because I ramble on, so I'm going to let you guys get back to the show. Bye! Which is not quite as good as the Rouse Merc, but we cut to the Three Ships Alliance, who's decided to take off. I'm not sure if they've gotten the nuke news yet. I think they did. They know something just fucked up Boaz, and that's yeah. about all they know, I think. I really like Kigali's in that cut, and then she does nothing for the next, like, five minutes. So Atherd and Kira run to the bridge, and I guess they're just like, hey, is the Lunar fleet attacking Boaz? And Lex is like, oh, battle is already over. Oops. I really like this scene as, like, casual Kira comes in, his hair is slightly more ruffled than usual. He's got, like, the moo thing. Well, both him and Atherin don't have their flight suits fully done up. They're clearly getting ready for combat, but they're not entirely geared up for it yet. I've read it more as they've gotten full RPG characters, and they're just sleeping in their flight suits now. (laughs) Well, actually, that would make sense, given that they're They're kind of on call all hours of the day. So being in their gear for when they're actually needed to just, you know, snap the things closed, pull on their gloves and helmet and go, as opposed to having to go running down the corridor to get to their gear. I just, like, Atherin looks kind of put together, so Kira's just got this, like, cute scruffy thing going on. It's adorable. One of them was in the actual military. One was in the teenage anime military. (laughs) (laughs) So Atherin can probably sleep anywhere. You're in the anime army now. My question is, who are their sources? Well, we did see them being supplied by a ship, although how would they know to tell them? So Mm -hmm. that is a decent question. But yeah, so Uh, they just found out about they got nuked. It's not a stretch, I think, to think they have people in Zaft, though. And then Moo comes up and mentions that he's not surprised they used it after Joshua, but uh, he doesn't explain as to how he thought they could use nukes, but he is fla- he flashes back to Rao like, it's probably Rao's fault. <laughs> I don't know what he did, but it's probably his fault. So I read him saying that it comes after Joshua more as like, it's an escalation of arms. Like no, they did Yeah, that. that's, so, that's what I mean. So this is the logical next step, regardless of how it happened. Well, and then his, like, explanation for who did it or who caused it is, it's probably Rao's fault. They no, all did hear Flay. that key comment, too. So. It was Flay. <laughs> it's all her fault. She should have known better. And, yeah. like, Moo even's like, oh, I get it. The key was nukes. <laughs> the key was nuclear missiles all along. Well, they do make for pretty good keys. They do open every door you want to point them at. The problem is they also open everything inside, and you can't <laughs> use it anymore. Well, you know, and you gotta, if you want to make some omelets, you gotta break a few million eggs. So I really like that they call them N-Jammer Cancelers. I really want them to call them N-Squared Jammers or something. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but N-Jammer Canceler makes a lot more sense and is more of something that people would actually call it. So in my head, you know that line from the uh, Dragon Ball Z intro song where the guy's like, Sparking! Yes. In my head, I heard that as jamming, and I thought that was canon for a second. I'm like, Dragon Ball Z characters don't jam. I love Diarca's sweet thumbs up there. <laughs> 
And he's not even pointing it at, like, Murdoch is showing him something, and he just gives a thumbs up to the screen. Like, he's telling the people watching it's going to be okay. <laughs> so they're getting ready to go. Kira and Atherin have some casual boot-up chat, and Kira's like, you think their plants are going to respond with nukes? And Atherin's like, if my father was sane, then I doubt it, but I don't know what's going to go on. Whatever <laughs> it is, it's probably not going to be good. I was going to say, really quick, low-key, Diarca is maybe my favorite character well, now. Once he gets a personality, he's <laughs> so good. Oh, yeah. Diarca's great once he grows a personality. Anyway, Kira's like, why do nukes exist, man? Like, I just took a philosophy class, and like, why do he people fight each other? Why even guns or giant robots? Which is funny, because actually, Lacus does the exact same thing next episode, so... I mean, they've probably been talking a lot. That's talking. true. <laughs> <laughs> hey, teenagers can have conversations. I love Shower Time Asriel, too. <laughs> and uh, Wonderslaw and Orga. He's going to be so sad in one month when the Wonderslaw is discontinued. <laughs> Meanwhile, Nataral is thinking about Maru's like defiant speech about how she has doubts about the Earth forces as a whole and clearly doubting her place. Couldn't you just accidentally lock Asriel in his room and vent the atmosphere? That seems like a great idea. I don't know that the rooms have ventable atmospheres. <laughs> it doesn't seem like the cabins are on the outside. But Flay goes to Nataral. I guess because she's the only person she knows on the ship. I don't think she was actually going to Nataral necessarily. I think she was coming to the observation deck where Nataral just happens to be already. Anyway, Nataral's like, hey, maybe you would have been better off on the moon instead of watching the nukes. I know you want to see the Archangel, but it's a pretty slim chance, especially when you're on a military ship. But I do like this moment for Flay where she's kind of matured or at least realized what a burden she was to everyone. Well, and she's, she's like, a lot less of a... The colossal bitch that she was, like, manipulating Kira to do whatever it is she wants. She just I, wants to talk to him. They both want to apologize yeah. to each other because yeah. they were both shitty teens. Well, I feel like she actually got over that even before they sp split. Um, like, I feel like she started being a much better person after she realized how much trouble she was causing. Yeah, but she never actually got a chance to exactly. apologize to Kira for it, which is why it's so hard for her. She hasn't had a chance to do anything really yet. I feel like when she brought the key, she was trying, but she was... Doing it poorly. Yeah, she was being manipulated by a masked dude. But here she's, like, finally really trying, and she seems to be doing a good job. Although, like you said, we don't get to see her doing it much. We just see that she's there, and she looks good in that uniform, so... <laughs> So really quick, this may get cut, but you were mentioning the Wonder Swan earlier. Yeah. I just got to the point of Final Fantasy where I encountered a cup ramen truck. Oh, the cup ramen quest? This quest brought to you by Cup Noodle. Yeah. They're the best. <laughs> and I, I like I got there and Gladio's like, oh sweet, they have cup noodle outside of the city. I'm like, what what are you talking about? I turned around like, why is there a cup noodle truck here? It was very, very jarring for me to find a cup noodle truck in my Final Fantasy, partially because everything's 1950 diners, and I feel like we haven't gotten to cup noodle technology yet. I feel I like, feel like the, the Japanese had. <laughs> yeah, they were technologically advanced. They did get to cup noodle before other races. But speaking to my point earlier, Natara's like, hey, you won't be as frightened if you stay in your sleeping quarters like before. But she kind of mans up here and is like, hey, I never realized how tough everybody else had it. and. They weren't all super people like Kira, so I have or to Or hiding something. in her, hiding in their room. Yeah. But Natarl's very sympathetic. I talk about Natarl a lot and why she joined the military, and she doesn't get a lot of character moments, so it's important that they're all as strong as they are. And she basically just tells Flay, like, hey, I'm glad you're coming to this realization, because it's only going to get worse. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not. And she's like, but Mask Man, who seemed so nice, said that the war should end. And Nataral kind of bitterly and sarcastically has to throw out that, yeah, when we kill them all, it will be over. I mean, yeah, it's not necessarily wrong. It's just 
technically correct, but... So not- is that Rao's plan to end the war by mutual annihilation, or does he just really want chaos? I think he just wants every... He wants chaos. He I doesn't care which side which. Because he knows what Genesis is. Well, and mutual annihilation has basically got a lot of chaos going for it anyway. Anyway, we cut to some Zaf propaganda. They're not going to let any nukes hit them. Also, Mama Izak is giving an inspirational speech about how we should kill everyone. And now we have the Jewel team, which is Izak and a bunch of Guazines. I think it's really powerful. It's probably one of their strongest forces. Because it's got one of their few Gundams. Also, good pun. So, we're getting one last speech as everyone's getting ready to go fight. Who's giving this speech? Is this still Mama Izak or yes. is this Zala? She's propaganda queen. Now that Lacus is gone. Well, she's like media manager, right? That's yeah. her job. So anyway, we get more of that stock footage. I'm like stock footage. I mean, stuff from earlier episode of Mobius and Jin's fighting. I still really love that shot of a Jin riding a Mobius and just shooting it from on top. It's stupid. I love it. So Mobius's fight the duel. It goes very well for them. <laughs> As it always has in the past. And from kind of the flank come the three ships alliance who uh, Lacus decides to wax poetic about stopping nuclear missiles, which is, I guess, her want. It's important she do that to get those bard buffs on everyone. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if you don't, then they don't get that bonus. I just love that she's describing nukes as blades of light. And if light blades stab people, then everything's going to be overexposed, I guess. I don't know. Just go kill someone. Okay, that astray pilot needs contacts. <laughs> Just saying, wearing glasses is probably not the best idea. Yeah, since so we get all the main characters and like dramatic wipe shots and also the Astray girls, I guess. Well, because it's all the pilots. Presumably they have other pilots. They have more than three Astrays. True. Also, as Lacus is giving this speech, I just had flashbacks to Sector Z from Star Fox 64 where you had to defend <laughs> oh, the, uh, the nuclear missiles that are coming yes. out of the Great Fox. <laughs> and this is basically what they're doing is a nuclear missile defense. Yeah, it's one of the most frustrating missions in the game. I actually really like that one. It's just no, hard. I meant this. Oh. I do like Sector Z. It's hard to meddle, though. Yeah, that's actually what I was going to say. It's hard to get the re- requisite 200, maybe 150. I don't know. It's been a while. Anyway, the druggies are like, man, I'm tired of fighting weak things. I want to fight those guys who kicked our asses again. They're turning into Ezaks. Yeah, but really light Ezaks. And, and Raider guy's like, yeah, we'll just do what I'm told. I like the drugs they give me. Then we get more uh, of the Peacemaker forces launching. Oh, we get a very extended launch scene of everyone in the Three Ships Alliance, which is pretty cool. It's mostly here to drag out the cliffhanger at the end of this episode and fill time, but I'm kind of a sucker for the long launch sequences at the end of Gundam series. Well, especially because of their handy setup. So, I mean, yeah, they do fill out a time frame, but it's also something that we don't have to watch for the next episode. Yeah. Except we actually get the exact same launch next episode. I'm not surprised. In theory, that's how it should work. I do love how uh, Diarca is trying to flirt with Millie as he takes yeah, off. Yeah, he gives her the just s- not having it. She gives it. He gives her the salute. And I, hey, we get the meteors for the first time, even though they've been mentioned that. before. So the meteors are these weapon expansion packs on the Eternal that can dock onto the Justice and the Freedom. I'm a real fan of the concept. I really like the kind of super weapon packs that mobile suits will get sometimes for heavy firepower, because not only does it improve their power, but it's an obvious creation of drama when they get destroyed in the final battle, and it also (laughs) increases the mobile suit's mobility at that time. But the meteors in particular are nothing special. They're just very big beam sabers, which actually are pretty cool and unique, and a lot of missiles. I mean, I I definitely like me some lot of missiles, but... I personally, I think the meteors are just too bulky. They look really awkward. Yeah, I was going to say, apparently I also like the combined takeoff because one of my notes here was that combined takeoff, though. (laughs) Speaking of meteor, the song Meteor starts playing for the third time. Maybe they're overusing a bit. While Izak apparently single-handedly tries to take on the nuke force. 
because he's the only one who's over here, apparently. And the druggies are just giving him too hard a time. He's surviving, but he can't really make any impact or destroy any of the nukes. But luckily, that's the direction that the Three Ships Alliance is coming from. So and Isaac basically says, hey, everyone on my on Jewel team, go shoot everything down. And then his team immediately dies. So he's just the only one doing it. Poor team got druggied. Yeah. Don't, don't do druggies, kids. Those starry-eyed youths, all they wanted to do and, was commit genocide. Yeah, Isaac can't get out of the way or can't deal with it either because he's got too much problems to uh, avoid getting killed by the druggies. I do like this one shot of Azrael as he thinks everything is about to go in his favor. It's beautiful. But the meteors, like we said, have a lot of missiles. <laughs> and are pretty fast. And yeah. also Kira upgraded his operating system with auto-targeting. He had that before. That's a custom modification. It didn't come standard on the Freedom. We see a bunch of missile hatches opening, which is always cool. And again, I really do like these as like a mid-step between a battleship and a mobile suit. These like heavy artillery platform mobile suits. It's a gimmick I like and wish we saw a little more of in Gundam, although we do see it fairly frequently. So all the nukes explode and well, not all of them, but most of the nukes explode in fabulous pink light. Then Lacus starts her concert tour. Yeah, the nuclear proliferation tour. Everybody is just absolutely shocked at all the explosions. I feel like it should be the nuclear disarmament tour because she is destroying the nukes. So anyway, Lacus tries diplomacy. She's like, hey, stop attacking. This is an open well, channel. Uh, I mean, she is a bard. She rolled a charisma check. Well, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. They may not actually have a, the coded channel the Earth forces are actually using, but they're going to pick up a, an open channel. And all the Zaf soldiers are like, what? Lacus Klein? I love your albums. Can I have an autograph? Everyone stops for a second until Mama Mama Isaac. What are you trying to pull off? Uh, what do you what, what honestly do you think they're trying to pull off? Like, please just stop fighting. That's what we're here for. And Azrael's like, I guess we'll just murder them too. We can like point a nuke that way. The defenses <laughs> of the uh, Archangel are way too good for that. And Isaac's there too. <laughs> yeah, he's he's just kind of there. He's now kind of gotten cut off from his, all his dudes died. So he's like, oh, I know those guys. I'll hang out. It's like when you're at a party and all your friends go off somewhere. But you're like, oh, I went to high school with that guy. And I think I know that girl. I'll just hang out with them. <laughs> well, I mean, it makes sense. He also knows that Diarca's not planning on shooting at him. Moo's probably not going to shoot at him unless he shoots at him first. And Kira and Atherin are on some kind of peace kick. So they're not going to do anything. And so, so the Three Ships Alliance is a cat at anyone's house. So then we cut to Patrick, who's like, they're doing what? Oh, whatever. Gives us more time to get our Death Star ready. I mean, our mysterious Genesis. I like how they call it the zone of emission. So anyway, Isaac gets an urgent warning, and he's like, what is what? I'm confused. What exactly does this mean? But anyway, we get a big graph of a big battle fortress on screen. And hey, remember Mirage Colloid? That's back because apparently they cloaked a Death Star, and they just had one. That's excessive. Yeah, it's a, it's a good, like, you've activated our trap card moment. Though. I love that, that one of the crew. One of the Earth Force's captains is just like, what? Really? <laughs> and then they turn off the Mirage Coilet and turn on the phase shift so it can be big and bright and colorful. Yeah, I just really like that it also has phase shift armor. It's already a giant structure, although it's probably not mobile, so that makes actually probably a lot of sense for it to have that. Even Walt felt his surprise, and he expects everything. Everybody's shocked face. And Isaac's like, hey, get out of the way. It's about <laughs> to go bad. They're about to fire Genesis, and it's like, we don't know what that means. And speaking of good uh, techno battle, we get set nuclear cartridge to detonation phase. Yeah, they actually explain how this works next episode because I accidentally watch ahead. They actually just blow it up and then somehow channel all of that out of tube. 
It's actually like that space cannon I was talking about earlier. That's basically how those work, except they're firing it at other ships. Anyway, Zala's like, I'ma shoot some people, and <laughs> Rouse... Patrick Zala gives a stupid speech. Rouse smirks will continue until the war improves. R- Rouse smirking <laughs> so hard he's actually smiling now. <laughs> and the episode ends on a giant, pretty Aurora Borealis Death Star blazer. Which, uh... amusingly, is actually where the next episode ends, too. <laughs> it's got a one-episode cooldown. Exactly. <laughs> so that's Phase 45, The Nightmare Reborn. It's kind of a slow episode, but talking about it, I did really enjoy it. The Death Star reveal is a cool turn. It's very similar to the end of Gundam, where they have the giant solar ray laser, although they fire that prematurely and it burns itself aft after one shot, which is not what's going to happen with Genesis, spoiler. It's, it's kind of like a colony drop in most of the other series, where it's this big escalated... Like, the Earth forces, at least here, escalated with the nukes, and then... Zaft escalated again with this big-ass space cannon. And we also have the meteors, which are kind of a softer escalation for the protagonists. So everything's kind of taking a step up. And like I said, I love those big combined arms battles where it's just two full armies duking it out. Yeah, they are really cool, and they're really well done here. Yeah, I was going to say, I love that they gave dialogue to all these minor characters just before they died. I don't know, I want more comms chatter from the mooks. Yeah, it's just hard to do that without overwhelming the, uh, the viewer, so... All right, then. Do we want to get into high points? Do you have one, Tyler? Or is it the mook chatter? <laughs> it is not the mook chatter, although I do like it very much. Now that I'm thinking about it, though, I'm having a hard time coming up with a concrete high point. You know, it might actually be Flay's, like, redemption here. Actually, just that, that scene between Flay and Natarl. Just that whole scene. It's very good. Ah, that was uh, mine. Really? Really? I'm yeah. surprised that was yours. So. I like Natarl. I like Natarl quite a bit. Yeah, me too, actually. I like um, Natarl a lot. I think I'd have to, since Tyler stole mine, I'd have to go with um, just Izak in general here, because like, he's got a very, he's he's very much come all the way around, like with the justice and the freedom and warning them that something, things are about to go real bad. Especially in contrast to his kids earlier in the episode. Like Jeremy was saying, he's like, ah, oh, this is what I was. Oh, no. Well, and it's also in contrast to how he was acting with uh, Diarca earlier. With that action, he's tacitly siding with them. Like, not in so many words, but by warning them, get out of the way, he is aiding them here. All right. So I think I'm going to go with the Genesis reveal. It is just kind of a plot reveal, but it is a cool escalation. And it's like a sci-fi thing where nukes are kind of not too real, but a very real thing. This is a crazy, like, escalation, and also it's a callback to stuff from earlier in the series, from almost the very beginning with the Mirage Coilade and the phase shift, so it's cool to bring that back, and it explains how they hit a Death Star while they were building (laughs) a Death Star. Low points, Tyler? Hmm. I guess a little too much Rao being cartoon villain, honestly. Um, To be fair, we're at the point where everybody is. And I felt like Rao's just reveling. Rao's just like, yes, it worked. Yes. Yeah, I know. I just like we're getting a lot of shots of that happening. And like, I only needed one or two. I feel like they overdid it a bit. Probably. They might have done too much. I'm sure there are lower points in this, but that's one that stuck out to me. Zach? Can I say Azrael's not dead yet? I no. Mean, only for <laughs> a couple more episodes. Um, you don't love Azrael his pink-ass robe floating around. <laughs> I love that so much. Honestly, I have a hard time coming up with I think I'd have to say in this particular episode, there's not enough Kigali. Yeah. Yeah, they've forgotten she exists. Like well, she, she's in the she's in the slash screen, and there's a couple of instances pointing to things that'll come up later in the series, but she doesn't really get to do anything here, despite the fact that she really should be in, more involved. It's like the it's like the writers just kind of forgot she is uh, existed. 
I know we talked about this earlier, but like, man, I really wish she did more in this series because I love her character so much and she just doesn't get to do a whole lot. Speaking of characters I love, I love Kira and Lacus so much, but Lacus's uh, poetry is maybe a bit much in this one. <laughs> that is true. She's got way too much purple prose. And Kira's maybe a bit on the nose of the message with, uh, the, oh, why do we even have guns in mobile suits? They are teenagers. Subtlety yes, is not I, their strong suit. That is suit. very fair. I just feel like from a writing perspective, it's very clear what they're going for. Kira doesn't have to yell the message. Yeah, you don't have to club people over the head with it. Yeah, I mean, we're already seeing the results of it. You didn't really need to say it out loud. And they've already said similar, or at least made similar sentiments earlier in the series. I mean, it's like explaining the joke, right? Yeah. All right. So do we want to add something to our mobile suit list? Oh, what there, do we got? There are some very, I should make a list of what we have left to do. But there are two very striking omissions right now, which are the justice and the freedom. Oh, wow. Really? The freedom's not on there? I I've been saving the freedom. <laughs> okay, well, let's do the justice then. I like the justice quite a bit. It's optional unit backpack. <laughs> I go kind of back and forth on. When it's riding it like a surfboard, I'm like, that's a little too toyetic. But when it's launching it like a missile at people, I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the justice. It's... Oh, it's a little on the flashy side for most of the things that I prefer, but I do like the Justice. To me, the Justice, and this is just the order I watch Gundam in, is like the Epion with all my problems with the Epion fixed. It has ranged weapons, a number of them, in fact. It's, it's it got actually looks kind of similar to the Epion, too. It's got the so. same color scheme. I think that I think. was the idea. Yeah. So should we compare it to the other major melee-focused mobile suit we have on here, the Sword Strike, which is up at number three? Does that seem like a decent place to start? Or should no, sure. Lower? I like the Justice a lot more than the Sword Striker, personally. I love that great sword. I like that boomerang, but I really like the Justice. The Justice is a complete package mobile suit. So the uh, like gimmick is a little gimmicky, but that's its biggest problem. I actually really like the Justice, too. I actually kind of feel like its jetpack is kind of like the uh, attachment from our type that can fire <laughs> one way or the other. Yeah, no, I, I think we're unanimous. Justice is cooler than Giant Sword, which is surprising, honestly. Dual-bladed lightsaber and hucking your backpack at people. Uh, so the number one on the list is the Launcher Strike, the other version of the Strike. And I actually kind of like it more than the Launcher Strike Ooh, as well. Really because big it is gun. that full package. Whereas the launcher strike is just a big gun, and I guess the missiles, technically. I love me the big gun, I love me the mini gun, but like Jeremy said, the full package out of the Justice, I really like. And I also like the color scheme for the Justice, the full red with highlighting, as opposed to the blue, red, white, and green of the, la of the launcher <laughs> strike. It's a little um, too busy. Yeah, I was just saying, I think I'm actually going to make it unanimous. Um, I also prefer the Justice, so... So the Justice is our new number one mobile suit on so, the list. That was pretty easy. So I feel like we're going to get Justice versus Freedom at some point, because I like the Freedom more than I like the Launcher Strike, so... Yeah, we'll I, there. I, yeah I have a sneaking suspicion we're going to get there, and I know why that is. Trust yeah. me, we're going to have that debate. We'll have a talk <laughs> about the uh, Freedom, definitely, but I know I've said this before, the Freedom is my favorite giant mech in fiction. <laughs> yeah, that's why. <laughs> Oh, I just like it more than... Although I think before we get there, we have to rank the Providence. We will talk about that. We might do the Freedom next week. Well, because I don't know that the Providence shows up for a while. I'll have to risk everything. Yeah, we get it yeah. next episode, actually. Oh, we do? Okay. Uh, not for much. It, it, we see it launching, and that's it. All right, so that's a good teaser for next week, which is episode 46, Day of Wrath. It's got a real cool thumbnail, too, on Crunchyroll. Ooh, I, like, I like that title. That is a great title. I, I like that episode. <laughs> I would say I love everything about this episode. I'm really excited. So, yeah, that's a good teaser. See you next week. Bye.
gun and assault on Boaz? Commander Jewel! Those damn naturals need a real ass kicking! What's the word on the size of the enemy force? Do we have orders to launch? 